I got David in front of me. I'm up in his house in somewhere in the hills in LA, Los Angeles. You're in you're at my parents' house in Laurel Canyon. Thank in, you. In the Hollywood Hills in Los Angeles, California. Thank you for inviting me to your house and thank you for accepting my offer of coming on the podcast. I saw you this beautiful house called the Dojo in Venice. I'm doing an empath reading. But it, the special thing about it was that you you had someone in front of you that you'd read. And then there'd be a musician that would translate the reading into music and then perform the song for that, for you both. And it was just this, it just got me so excited about the community in LA, like the, this kind of under, because on the, on the crust, like, it's very superficial and that kind of gross materialistic world. But then under, under the yummy surface, you've got these little pockets of people doing wicked little pop-up art shows of empathetic readings and with music like is it it was this fucking sick sick night and so i saw you and then uh, um i never chatted to you that night but i contacted you after and i was like i want to understand what it is like to be in your mind and you that also that night you mentioned that you said you found this power at burning man and at that night also, I got invited to Burning Man and I'd been wanting to go for years and couldn't get a ticket. Well, this was the first year I, was, I could actually do it. And anyway, this guy called Zeus gave me a ticket and boom. So it was, it was kind of a magical, a magical night. But so firstly, David, can you explain to me, or explain to us how you stumbled upon this capability to read people? Hmm. I feel like going a little bit um, higher level than that first and explaining <laughs> what it is you're talking about. Perfect. Since my assumption is that the people listening won't know what you mean by empathic readings or readings hmm. or what I was doing that night at the dojo where you came. Uh, so I've been doing something that I still haven't found great language for. Sometimes I call it intuitive readings. Sometimes I call it energy readings. Uh, in a literal sense, the word empathic makes uh, feels the truest empathic reading, but that doesn't really roll off the tongue so well. I don't particularly like marketing myself that way. But in right. any case, whatever you want to call it, what it is is uh, a process whereby I tune into the emotional state of another person or people, uh, but usually a single person, take their, let's use this word, energy, or maybe another word, emotions, into my own body, consciously and deliberately, feel myself what it is that they're feeling by having absorbed that feeling into my body, and then share with them what I feel they're feeling, both using words as accurately as I can, and also by embodying the feelings I'm feeling they're feeling so that they can watch me enact these feelings for them. And I do this one-on-one, -on -one, but I particularly love doing this in front of audiences. It's a kind of uh, intuitive or psychic or energetic reading as performance art. And what you came to was a experimental collaboration between uh, me and a friend of mine, a brilliant musician whom I love named Lauren Turk, who does songs improvised about people's stories. And I had seen her sing and she had seen my performance and we thought, well, let's throw it together and see what happens. So I would do my reading and then Lauren transformed my readings into song. 
It was beautiful. It was so powerful. I think everyone in the room got a real sense of, holy fuck this, you can actually... Because your readings were like pretty much 95% accurate and, and any discrepancies like you were entirely humble about and and open with the fact that you're exploring this capability and, and you, you is it that you don't fully know what the fuck is going on when you channel it because you're tapping into this ethereal realm that's non-tangible it's it's not not that perceivable to our immediate senses yeah it's that i don't really fully know what's going on there's a kind of knowing when i enter somebody's field there's an experience i have that's undeniable it's uh, it's 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 subtle sometimes and sometimes it's not subtle at all but i'm attuned enough to the experience i'm having in my own body that I can identify often with language what it is I feel another person is feeling, but I can't, I mean, it would be absurd to make the claim that this is 100% accurate <laughs> or, or, that, uh, or that I'm not taking information in from a place I don't know or that I'm not mischaracterizing the information that my body is actually perceiving or that I'm not projecting onto somebody um, Mm. Yeah, and mm. and uh, I'm so confident in my ability to do this that I welcome discrepancy, uh, that I learn as much from where I'm wrong as, and the audience learns as much from where I'm wrong as where I'm right or where it's where it's somewhere in the middle. Mm. Uh, I don't see myself as making people go, "Oh wow, how did he do it?" It's more like. I mean, I like that, oh, wow, how did he do it? My ego gets a little bit of a hit off of it. But the bigger thing I'm doing is, wow, look at the courage to explore this all the way. And that gives people, I hope, courage to explore their own superpowers, or if they happen to share this superpower with me, to explore this superpower. Mm. I like not knowing. I like making mistakes. I like learning. I like demonstrating to people who think that this stuff is all bullshit, that at least there's somebody out there who is not full of shit and who is happy to explore the places where he's confused or delusional. <laughs> it's like you're a psychological, spiritual researcher scientist. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I accept that. Uh, artist is probably the word I, mm. I see it as an art. I'm doing it as art. I do mm, it as mm. self-expression. Mm. I'm up there helping people sort through and deal with their inner lives. But my ultimate goal there. Uh, like what's driving me is not altruism. It's not, I want to help you so much. Mm. Um, it's creative self-expression. I feel like I have more in common with a with a painter or with a singer than I do with a conventional healer who's solely motivated by the desire to help another person get well. I mean, that's in there in me, but, but mm. I'm an artist first, I think. And what is it about the artistry of it that you love particularly? It's a supernatural realm, or it's a realm It's a realm we know is real but don't admit to ourselves, or many of us know is real but don't admit to ourselves, and I'm bringing it to you in a way that you have to, you have to process it if you're watching. <laughs> I mean, only a few options are possible watching it. Like, option one, I am a total fraud. And I think most people, even people inclined to think that somebody like me is a fraud, sense and authenticity in me that's hard for them to disavow and 
I'm articulate and transparent and well-educated and look reasonable enough that people are disinclined to say, okay, this guy is completely a fraud. And they're also disinclined to say this guy's completely delusional. So something else is going on here and I, I, I want to know what or what is happening or I don't get it. Or I do get it. I do that too. Wow, he's doing something I do even more than I do it. That's amazing. I want to do more of that. Yes. So I, I like, I mean, and I'm happy with either either perspective and anywhere in the middle. I like that people in seeing me do this work have to reckon with something. They have to reckon with either my capacity to do it or maybe that's trivial to them. Oh, he's doing that. That's cool. I get it. They have, Then they have to reckon with what I'm unearthing in the other person um, and the attitude I'm bringing to their inner life is also kind of fresh and alive like, mm. for instance if i if i encounter something in another person like hatred or greed or envy or um any any dark force or dark emotionality uh, i bring genuine non-judgment to it i'm just hanging out with it i'm watching it i'm being nice to it and it's not a it's not a show i mean it is a show but i'm not pretending to be non-judgmental toward their darkest mm. secrets mm. i actually am not judging their darkest secrets and that um, I think gives permission for people to accept themselves in a way that they haven't. This is happening on an unconscious level for most of the audience, but I hope it's happening. Mate, that's fucking profound, really, because you're using a creative art form, a performance art form to tap into this, this, this realm that people don't, aren't comfortable with and don't, you're, you're confronting it and bringing it out and making it entertainment in a way. Like it's, that's what I'm doing. It's, it's awesome. Thanks. It's so awesome. So, so you, it's interesting that you love it for the art form more than helping. Because for me, I perceived it as like you want to help people because because you are helping people. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's not untrue. I do. Yeah, yeah. I just like being transparent about my motivation. If, yes. Um, yeah. I'm, in a sense, like a, uh, I saw um, a dance performance a year ago in New York that made me weep. I mean, I, I was so moved by it and by um, the now deceased um, choreographer, Merce Cunningham's work. It's like, I don't know much about Merce Cunningham, but he was helping me. I mean, whatever he programmed into that thing on stage moved me deeply and subtly shifted my relationship to my own body. So I don't know, maybe these lines between I want to help people and I want to create art that moves people is, is ultimately trivial. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe what I'm doing when people are constantly, not constantly, people are often seeing me as like a healer or a helper. I resist that because I'm afraid of being caricatured as an altruist and then having to fit that box. <laughs> yeah. I actually love the box that you're in because it's like, it's it's more punk rock. It's, it's more punk rock. It, and, it's, and it's also... I, I respect that that you're that you're not trying to do that because there is a lot of that. There's a lot of healers and spiritual coaches and people that come across so disingenuous because there's cash exchange and there's I'm helping you, but I also need to make a living. And that that line, the integrity there can be blurry. Murky. Well, it's so easy to say I really want to help people and everyone just shuts up and assumes you mean it or doesn't mm. challenge you or. Mm. I, I, 
Not that there aren't people out there every day trying to help people. There are, but there are more people out there using the fact that they want to help people as a cover for whatever need they need met. And, <laughs> and the need I'm meeting, I believe, by doing this work is my need to express myself artistically. Fuck yeah, man. Great. I mean, that's, that's the sense I had. All those things that you said there, which you want to convey before you go to speak. You, you, you seem like a very smart guy and you've got your head screwed on and, and you're humble and you're transparent so therefore like that's the perfect premise for your kind of work and it's refreshing because the, like you said there's a lot of shit that isn't that um and I'm, I'm in love with the performance art of it because i think like art always is it gives us a chance to reflect and particularly in this kind of live dynamic in interactive way everyone was so fucking engaged and you know it, the first you're like who wants to go first a couple of people put their hands up next time who wants to go for, who wants to go next everyone puts their hand yeah. up because <laughs> because they they see the power of what you're doing and it's like it gives me goosebumps because it's mm. you you pull out the spirit or the emotion the, the the invisibleness that we can often sense in someone when they're going through it but you could be you have a capability to like you say act it or embody it I say act it because yeah, you're... No, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I, I don't shy away from acting it or embodying mm. it or mm. enacting it. I think you've got it. Mm. And I think that I'm, I'm doing something that we all do very quickly and very unconsciously. When somebody walks up to you whom you've never met, you take some kind of mental snapshot of what their inner life is like. Is this person happy, sad? How do they feel about me? What's going on with them generally? What's going on with them in this moment? <laughs> Is this somebody I need to be afraid of? Is this somebody I can trust? Within two seconds, we've done some kind of scan on a human being. I'm taking that scan and I'm uh, amplifying, the he- amplifying the hell out of it. <laughs> but we can all relate to that process. Uh, and sometimes people watch my readings and they say, well, I saw 80% of what you felt in that person. And I, my response is great. Like, okay, I'm, I'm not saying I always have access to information you don't have access to when you, you look. Um, sometimes some, a person is transparent and what I feel when I feel into them is very similar to what you sense when you look at them for two seconds. And sometimes not. Sometimes people are really coded and complex and I'm pulling out truths from their inner life that you would never guess in a million years. Mm. Uh, both things are true, possible. <laughs> and what does it feel like when you're because your eyes are shut and you're, mm-hmm. fe- you're feeling the person in front of them. That's, you, you, I know you can do it with people outside of the room as well mm-hmm. and channel that, but just to focus on the person in front of you for a moment, mm-hmm. that process of tapping into their field, like this is fucking invisible shit. You know, your eyes are shut. It's invisible shit. <laughs> uh-huh. well, can you talk us through that process of how you engage? Yeah. Um. Why I'm pausing is because there's how I actually do it and then there's what might be helpful for somebody who doesn't do this kind of thing to start trying. Okay. So why don't I do both? I'm going to talk you through what I actually do with a little of an asterisk that says you probably won't be able to do this at home. But at the end of this little monologue, I will tell you what you can do. Uh, so what I do is I take a person's hands um, And then I imagine all of my own stuff for, actually, let me go back. I'm going to go backward. Before I even take somebody's hand, before I focus on a given person, 
I take a pretty good accounting of what's happening inside of me. So if I'm feeling stressed, I feel where that stress is in my own body. Maybe it's a thin layer of pressure right behind my ribs on my left front chest. I feel that thin layer of pressure. And the reason I have to do that is because if I don't take an accounting of my own inner state, physiologically and emotionally, there is a 100% chance that I will project that onto the other person. How else could I know what is different between me and you unless I'm aware of what is just me? Mm. So once I, and that anyone could do at home, and once I, once I do that, I'm cute and I'm, I'm clear about what's going on in me, I then say a little internal prayer or intention setting where I say, um, my intention is to serve who's ever sitting in front of me, Michelle, making up a name. My intention is to serve Michelle. That's, that's my ex-girlfriend's name. <laughs> well, there you have Have it. you read it in me, actually? It's <laughs> very possible. You were talking about her a few minutes ago. But I didn't say her name. No, you did not. Um, <laughs> so my intention is to serve Michelle. And the reason I do that is because uh, other stuff inevitably gets in the way when I start reading somebody. And I want to come back to that intention. So even though really I'm doing this as performance and expression, it's very important to me that who's ever sitting there, that whatever I say is in the service of them. I never, ever want to say something that does not serve the person I'm sitting with, true or false. Um, sometimes I will avoid saying things that are true or that I believe to be true because I don't think they'll be of service. And every once in a while, I'll say things that I believe are false. Uh, I'll consciously lie because it will be of service. So I'm, I'm always oriented around what is of service to the person. Okay, now we get to the magic part. I take their hand and I imagine or visualize all the, all the energy that is mine in my chest. I imagine it going to either side, toward my shoulders, toward my side. It's like a, like a mist that I'm parting to leave this empty space in my chest. Mm. And then it feels like an invitation. It's, it's a, definitely a feminine, thing i think women will be able to relate to this idea more on the whole just where you just or maybe the moment when you sit down to get a massage and you decide to allow or somebody's going to touch you and you allow it it's similar to that i'm just mm. inviting an energy into my into my body and it's pretty damn subtle <laughs> um but it's not subtle the more i do it and the more tuned in i am to that mm. if you can imagine you're in a room by yourself you're chilling, and then somebody comes into that room who's filled with excitement and energy. And now if you can imagine how your own physiology shifts in the presence of that person, something changes, you're, you're more amped up, their energy has subsumed you on some, in some way. That's mm. what I'm doing, but mm. I'm doing that deliberately. Mm. So their energy enters my body. I feel it like a subtle mist. And... Uh, and then I allow that mist to shape itself into physical expression. Um, so it's an emotion. It's, it's easier to talk about it as an emotion than an energy. So let's say somebody sitting with me is um, is really uh, excited. They're really excited to be sitting with me. So I feel the subtle feeling of what it's like to be excited. Just like as if I were a little excited. Their excitement is, let's say, 100%. My experience of their excitement is, let's say, 20%. Mm. So I'm a little excited because they're excited. I feel that shift in my own excitement. And then I allow my body to express that excitement fully. Um, 
So any emotion, whatever it is, has a way it naturally wants to express itself in the body. Mm. Uh, if you're angry, you can either hold that emotion back, contracting yourself and not allowing it to express itself, or you can just say, all right, anger, how do you want to express yourself? And maybe you might punch a table or punch your fist or yell. There's all, every emotion knows what it wants to do with the body. <laughs> and we either let it or don't. So I let whatever emotion is coming through me express itself through my body. And then I triangulate on what it is I'm feeling they're feeling by matching my subtle experience of their emotion, that sense of excitement, with what my body is doing interpreting that emotion. Let's say uh, I'm bouncing up and down quickly, like, like I'm doing it now. So bouncing up and down. So that's how I interpret excitement. Mm. So I have that subtle feeling, my body's expression. And because I've done this umpteen hundreds of times or thousands of times, I have no doubt that this, what I'm feeling now, is excitement. And I wasn't excited when you sat down with me, so it's not a projection of my own excitement onto you. I was actually chill and present and ready. Mm. And so now I'm feeling all this excitement, and I can say to you, you feel excited. Mm. That's, mm. that's, that's the process. Mm. And if you want to try this at home, I would just say, don't worry about anything like that. That's just how I do it. But just pay close attention to when somebody else's emotions affect your state instantaneously. I don't mean that... Let's say your girlfriend is sad and you see her sad and you get sad because she's sad. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the sudden shift that happens when you encounter somebody in a heightened emotional state where you take on some of that state. So her sadness instantaneously gives you sadness, like a contagion. You, you catch her sadness. That's what I'm talking about. So paying attention to how that, that phenomenon happens in your own body is, what I'm do is pretty much the basis of what I'm doing. I just do it louder and clearer and with lots more practice. Wow. That was so eloquently expressed. <laughs> Thanks. Because <laughs> that, that whole, I'm fa I was fascinated by how you did it, and that was such a great description. I can understand that it is the subtle layer, the subtle layer of existence, because that's where all the magic and beauty is in life. Like in meditation, you tap into that subtle realm. And, and the way you described the mist coming in, I think, and, so, and that's a really good description of when someone touches you, you kind of soften or you allow, allow that. So then you, you can just do it. It still amazes me how you can do that with your eyes shut and you're not even taking their facial cues or what's going on. No, the facial cues distract me because I'm human like everyone else. And if I see someone responding with something that might validate me, I lean into it. If I see someone shutting up, shutting down all contracts so i don't want that stuff i want to stay true to the experience that i'm having in my body and not reacting not having my ego react to their response okay and when you feel it what do, if you had to hypothesize what this energy looks like or the feelings look like in the is it a frequency you think that's emitted from the heart or stored in the mind how would you, how, if you had to guess the science or explanation? I would, I, I wish I had a good answer for this. I, I, I love this question. I am very eager for answers to it. I have gone down the rabbit hole of the neuroscience a little bit, and I can tell you with pretty close to certainty that they have no effing idea what the hell is happening. <laughs> um, so the answer is not, the answer is not yet available in the realms of neuroscience or interpersonal neurobiology or any of these fields that 
purport to explore the subtle shifts that happen automatically between people. Uh, we're wait. I mean, uh, we're waiting. The answers will come. Um, but I'm still at a place where scientists look at what I'm saying dubiously, um, unfortunately. So what do I? What do I? You know, non-science-minded person having this experience think is happening? Mm-hmm. I think it's two things happening simultaneously. Uh, one is probably what we're on the cusp of understanding, which is that this emotions or energies move out of us like frequencies. Um, we can even intuitively sense this. So if somebody's really excited, does that not feel like a high frequency or a light frequency? And if somebody's really depressed or sad, does that not feel like a low frequency or a heavy frequency? Mm. There's, there's an analog to this in, in the way we talk. I'm really excited right now. Things are feeling really good. I'm really sad right now. Things are feeling really heavy. Mm. So in one case, my voice is higher. The frequency is literally higher. In the mm. other case, my voice is lower. The frequency is a little lower. I think what's happening in an auditory way is happening in a physiological way, mm. being sent through the space between us in ways that science has not yet articulated, but that I feel is within science's reach in the near future. That's one thing that's happening. And that's, uh, I think even skeptics out there can go, oh, maybe we haven't figured that out yet, but that sounds plausible enough. And then the other thing that's happening, um, this is uh, into the realm of not yet believable to people who look at these things with skeptical eyes, but I believe it, is that we all have some kind of, for lack of a better term, cosmic address. We all have a point in this network of souls And what I'm doing by taking your hand or what I'm doing by um, accessing your energy field remotely, because I don't need you to just be physically present, I can do this if you're far away too, is is pointing at your cosmic address and getting information from there. Uh, Mm. Maybe a good analog is cell phones. We all have a cell phone number and I can reach you by calling your cell phone number and tap into your energy field quite directly when you pick up the phone and talk. Mm. I can ask you how you're doing by calling you. You pick up the phone. I say, how are you doing? You say, I'm doing good. Okay, well, that's that'd be just as absurd 100 years ago as um, anything I'm about to claim. So <laughs> I think what is happening is that very same phenomenon, except it's happening energetically through use of ancient technology instead of new technology. So I can tap into... Um, I can tap into how my ex-girlfriend is feeling right now in the same way I could with a cell phone by calling her, but instead of using a phone, I'm using my capacity to travel across space and time, or at least across space, and tune into her. So how is... I don't want to name an ex-girlfriend. Let's name somebody else. Um, Hmm. How is my friend Donna, um, who would be happy to be used as an example for this, how is my friend Donna doing right now? And then my body just comes up with an answer. Donna's feeling okay. A little bit eh, like this. She's feeling like not much is going on, but it's all right. She's chilling, a little bit of melancholy, but nothing too heavy. That's how Donna's doing. I think there's a high probability, maybe a 90% probability that if we called Donna, that that would match her experience right now. Showing? <laughs> um, we can if you want. Would you like to? Let's yeah, I see. think that'd be interesting. All right. <laughs> You can put her on a speaker and put it in the front of the mic. 
All right, so let's see. If, if, there's also a chance I'm wrong. This yeah. is part of the joy. Mm. And then we also have to account for the fact that I'm using, these are disqualifiers before we validate or invalidate what I'm saying. Mm. I'm using um, my understanding of her underlying emotional state to generate language that we can make sense of. Mm. So she might be having the experience I described, but use completely different language. Mm. Um, we don't know. So, but let's, let's mm. hear. Let's see. And we can understand that. We can see, we can see we can through see. it. We can see if we can see through her description. Yeah. Because the language is just a, a, a construct of the hey, energy. Hey, Dish. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> um, you're on a little podcast uh, where we did a scientific experiment where I tuned into you and said how you were feeling. And now it's your job <laughs> to describe how you're feeling for this uh, Australian podcast, if you don't mind. Okay. How would you say sure. you're feeling right now? Or how are you feeling five minutes ago? Um, well, I just kind of like out of it a bit, um, a bit tired, I guess. So it's hard for me to tune into my own emotions because I just woke up from a nap. <laughs> um, sort of like blase, semi, like, okayness semi melancholy fuck off thank you donna fucking hell donna sorry that was just that was just my shock that was just my shock sorry i didn't mean to say fuck off at you i was just blown away that you you are you just got channeled <laughs> and thank you so much thank you for being so generous and open and willing to share yourself um on this podcast pleasure <laughs> that was pretty phenomenal <laughs> <laughs> well he actually used the word melancholy well yeah yeah it's got mad respect for the empath <laughs> thank you dish my pleasure all right ciao see ya so there you have it. I would say my description was 100% accurate in this case, right? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, man. That, that blew me away. So it doesn't blow me away because I feel like it's just what happens. Like, uh, it, it blows people away sometimes because it's on the other side of our cultural, culturally accepted line of what we know and don't know. But I, I don't know. This is where maybe I'm a little jaded. I'm over it. Like, this is, this is the way the world works. And I'm sometimes uh, excited to show people that. And then other times I'm like, come on, guys, get with the program. We know magic is real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're way more powerful than we uh, we're, we're sedated to, yeah. to perform yeah. or be. And I just want to say, since we did a little um, non-scientific, scientific experiment, for those people who say, well, yeah, he described her accurately, but what about? So I just want to give you guys, all you skeptics out there, space for that. <laughs> well, what about the possibility that I talked to her this morning and asked her how she was doing? Well, I can assure you that I did not talk to her this morning and I did not ask her how she was doing. I did see her last night and she was not exactly in this state. But could I have accurately deduced what state my dear friend Donna would be in given the state she was in last night and what I know about her life? 
Conceivably, it's very conceivable. Did I get that understanding and then pretend that it was had psychically? No, I got this intuition the same way I get all of my psychic intuitions, the honest way. But I'm willing to leave space for me getting it other ways and then pretend and then unconsciously pretending I'm getting it the magical way I claim that I'm getting it. But I would ask all of you who think that I'm full of it or people like me are full of it to at least consider the possibility that we are sincere and that there are many people like me who are not just eager but desperate to have their understanding of the world validated by science. It's just that science has not yet caught up and is not yet willing to take what I'm saying seriously. Not that I'm out here BSing you. Thank you. That was a fantastic debrief. <laughs> wow. Man, it's it's it was amazing to just witness that and to see I know I know I like for me I'm I'm in awe because I, it's, it's, it, it, I know that it's true and I know that it's real because I sense it and I've had direct experiences with this kind of um, subtle realm a lot. Like I, I, I indulge it, I love it, I dive into it multiple times a day mm -hmm. consciously. And so to see you in this art form of doing it into in like cosmic address into person, I'm in love with it. Like I just, I just love seeing it. And oh, and I, 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 th I think the... It, it, I'm, in, I'm in awe of it because I, because it's real and it's manifesting itself right in front of my eyes, you know. And this thing of this ancient telephone, I think that's a fantastic way to put it. Like this, everyone's got a cosmic address. That that's wild. I mean, if you've been in a, if you've been in a real, even with your parents, or how many people know when somebody close to them died instantaneously? Yes, yes. Or they had a dream, or you, you know that something's happened with your child if you're a parent, or you know that your girlfriend just had something terrible or good. I mean, we're constantly getting updates about people. It's like we have social, spiritual social media deeply embedded into our unconscious running all the time, but are we listening to it? Or have you ever had the experience where you know somebody's going to call and then they do? This, mm -hmm. this stuff is just par for the course. It's only our inane, Western, male-dominated, scientifically driven, empirically delusional culture that tells us that this stuff isn't real merely because um, people in lab coats haven't yet pinned it down. Fucking hell. Hit the nail on the head, man. <laughs> it's it's frustrating and, and a bit disappointing because, you know, the wisest motherfuckers know can stand between the feminine and the masculine, the logical and the creative or the infinite potential and the, and the, 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 the real gross mm -hmm. scientific. And they can see both like Einstein, Tesla. They all, they all kind of had this capability, didn't they? And the greatest scientists do. They can... They don't, they don't rigidly hold on to either. They can see both. And it's the same as like, is the, is the DMT release in your brain the, just a chemical? Or is it this incredible direct experience of another realm? Like, it's both. It's, it's both. It's both of those things. And one doesn't discredit the other, which I think science loves to fucking do, doesn't it? Like, well, if you think about it, who are scientists? I mean, scientists are in a perpetual race to escape their own experience by pretending there's such a thing as objectivity. <laughs> so, it, so they, they, you know, if you think who's drawn to science or engineering or these analytical realms, there are people who are profoundly uncomfortable with being in their bodies, with emotional truths. Um, they want to pretend it's a pretend game that there's an out there that they can measure objectively and that gives them comfort and safety. Mm. And I'm not saying there's no role for an out there that gives you comfort and safety. Mm. There is, mm. but that should be 
subjugated to the heart, to all deeper guidance. Um, science can never tell us where to go or what matters. At its best, it can just tell us what's happening in a way that makes sense to us. Um, and even then, it doesn't do that good a job because it's the people who espouse it so vehemently are often uh, stepping on those of us who are naturally drawn beyond it because something deep in us that science can't put its finger on tells us that there's much more happening than what mm. these guys can explain. Mm. Isn't there? <laughs> what are some great scientists that you see that across history that uh, are doing that? Uh, in, in across a, history. I mean, I'm, I love when you started asking the question before you went to history, I was just, I love a man named Rupert Sheldrake. He's one of my, one of my heroes. I had coffee with him a few months ago, which was a great joy. <laughs> He's written several books about the science of psychic phenomena that are extremely well thought out, um, extremely rigorous, and he is also a mystic. And he straddles that line as well as anyone I know. Um, mm. I love Dean Radin, who's much more scientific by nature and rigorous than... Um, anybody else I know who's studying what appeared to be paranormal. So he is, he's put together, um, what's the word when you put together tons of research? There's some word that I'm a, a case study or like, yeah, a, like a study of studies. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. he's studied all the studies of science of psychic phenomena. And you can't read Dean Radin um, without coming away with a sense that this stuff is real and that serious scientifically minded folks can prove it. Those are two that I love contemporaries who are looking at the science of the unexplainable. Mm, mm. Um, are there any, are there, has there been any experiences for you where you've connected with someone and felt their energy and gone, no, this is too much and then backed away? Yeah, yeah. that happens. Um, and what, and what, well, it depends what, what backed away. Well, like, there are different reasons why I might back away in readings. Um, a common one is that if I'm in front of an audience, there's stuff that people are not yet willing to face or able to face, forget willing, able to face, or mm. things that it wouldn't serve them to face yet. Mm. And to bring it forth in front of an audience would be a violation of of their own integrity, not of their, of their own sovereignty. Mm. Even, if there's, even if they sit with me and they say, I want you to tell me everything you see and feel, I still won't do it if I sense that there's stuff that I'm seeing and feeling that is not yet ready for their conscious mind to process wow. and certainly not ready for an audience to process with them. That happens all the time. Maybe one out of 10 readings in front of an wow. audience that happens. And can you, can you detail what those things are or is that inappropriate? Um, I can detail it in broad terms. I mean, I, yeah. I, sexual, uh, the amount of child sexual trauma that I see in people is so much more frequent than I surface in people. Wow. Um, Fucking hell. Uh, I, I, I'm sure that's n n nothing to do with me being a psychic and intuitive. It just has to do with the state of our world. And there are just so many children, um, fortunately not including me, but so many children who have been sexually abused who as adults cannot yet face it. Um, that's everywhere. I mean, that is just everywhere. I run across it all the time when I'm feeling into people's traumas. Um, what, what do you think is the source of that 
mistake of the intellect, karmic impression, that that ignorant behavior in in humanity that creates that impression again and again and again. Since, and why do people abuse children terribly? Yes, that's another way to answer the, uh, ask the question. <laughs> um, uh, is it some kind of? Gra- I mean, it's such a great question. It's it's like it's almost outside of my pay grade. I'm, I'm sort of on the front lines and on one level, feeling into people's deep traumas and and seeing it. But I, the, the the thought that's coming to mind is of one of my favorite spiritual teachers, a man named Thomas Hubel, um, who says that trauma is always the ghost in the machine and trauma causes trauma. He also says that trauma is the Western word for karma. These two things are the same. Yep. I really, I really like this. I like this thought a lot. Um, and then I've been working with an amazing woman who, uh, went through hell as a child and said that um, when she was, I'll just use this, this, this is what it is. She, I don't, she wouldn't mind me sharing. She's been public with it. So um, my dear friend, Annika Lucas, who's a, a, a survivor of child sex trafficking, she said that she sees, she saw when she was a child, these, um, the traumatized boys the traumatized boy would come alive in the raping of the child. So this, there's these, there's these deep, deep cycles that we as a culture are, are playing out and we're not, evidently we're not ready to face. I mean, we still think it's a scandal when some asshole um, corporate executive locks his door so that he can harass a employee. And somehow this is, I'm not saying this is okay, but this is so prevalent that it, it reminds me of that scene in Casablanca. I'm shocked, shocked to discover gambling is going on. That it's shocking that Les Moonves, head of CBS, used his power to abuse women or threatened women in order to get laid. Um, it's so deeply embedded in the system that it's absurd to be shocked by it. So if we're pretending to be shocked by that level of abuse... Can you imagine what it would take for us as a society to accept the extent to which children are um, abused mm. by adults? I mean, we're, we're just not there yet. Mm. That would be the greatest Me Too moment in history. <laughs> we still haven't even reckoned with the extent to which the Catholic Church, which has already been exposed and exposed, continues to do things. The degree to which the Pope himself, who I otherwise loved, and I hate the idea of seeing this great Pope fall, but... Apparently, he's got nothing to say for the fact that he covered up for serial sexual predators for years. And he scapegoats people when he's accused of it. So this is just so deep. And I love this Pope. I think he's phenomenal. What do I do? How do I even reconcile in myself the fact that I love this man and he's a great spiritual teacher with the fact that he evidently covered up for sexual predators for years because he was so deeply embedded in this um, conspiracy of child rape i mean mm. i don't know this we went down a dark course but i guess this is the stuff even talking about it, you feel the heaviness we're not yeah. even like oh we haven't processed i haven't processed this and i'm in i'm in the trenches yeah so yeah this is this is the kind of stuff that i don't necessarily bring up to people yeah. in readings i yeah. don't say i see something that happened between you and your father <laughs> when you were three and i'm pretty damn sure of it but i I'm going to, but I'm not going to tell, I mean, I can't, how could I say that in front of an audience of 50 people? But let me tell you, it happens all the time. 
all the time. So one in 10 is your rough start. <sighs> one in 10 times I encounter the feeling that there's deep trauma I'm not supposed to look at. Like that, that it's not, that's not ripe. And that sometimes the thing to do is merely to point out that it's there and say, when you're ready, you can look there and not mm. even say what there is. Mm. Um, there's another level of depth I can go to if it's not in front of an audience. And then there's other stuff I also don't bring up um, that I, I don't bring up because um, it won't necessarily serve them. It's not so much that it's so deep, but I don't know. What can I say? It's like mm. I'm constantly tuning into what would be of service, not what is true. What is true is not my orientation. What would help this person is my orientation in the gotcha. readings. Gotcha. And what's the majority of the energy, feelings, emotions that you sense? Like if you had to categorize them into particular buckets, like what are the, what are the reoccurring ones? What, what's the, like you out of anyone's got a really good reading on what the collective state of consciousness is. Interesting. Um, yes and no. I'll tell you where, where I think that that's probably not true is that I'm not getting a, a representative sample of human beings because the, by the time somebody is sitting with me, they are open to what I'm doing, which is already a minority. Then they are eager for me to investigate what's happening with them, which is a smaller minority. And then they're ready for me to showcase what's going on with them to an audience. So there's a minority and minority and minority. I can tell you what that minority has in common. That minority definitely is really excited about new experiences. If there's one quality that comes up with people who are drawn to me, including yourself, it's people who just light up at the idea of new experiences. Yeah. I'm sure that that is not representative of humanity, but that's, if what I'm seeing were representative of humanity, then humanity's greatest quality is its desire for novelty. Uh. <laughs> or something new, the unknown, shifting yeah. into a space that we haven't tangibly seen yet. Yeah, so that's what I see all the time. Um, but that's not representative of much, I think, other than what I'm doing. And what am I seeing? What am I seeing that's common? Even if you can tap into the collective cosmic field rather than just the specific mm, address, you know, the cosmic, like that. The cosmic city. Um, I think, there's a, I think that. That the cosmic city... The two words that come to mind are, um, the first is grief, unprocessed grief. I think that we are not yet aware of, even though we are starting to feel how much we've lost collectively. Um, I'm not talking about this from an environmental perspective, but it means something that we're losing the oceans, we're losing the trees, we're losing the, the forest, we're losing the natural worlds. And we are so deeply interconnected with the natural world that we know something is being lost here. And we're starting to grieve for it, but we haven't taken it in. I think a lot of what we're seeing in environmentalism and in the panic around the state of the environment is unprocessed grief for what we've already lost or are losing. It's too painful to sit with. And so we turn it into this rush of energy that actually has had very little effect because we're not sitting with the underlying pain in a real way. Um, mm. So I think there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. And there's also, that's, there's a lot of that in me. So uh, this is something maybe that I'm projecting, or it might be something that I'm channeling and sharing with a lot of people. And mm. I, I don't know, you seem to feel that when I describe it. Mm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then the other, another thing that's in the cosmic soup here. And we're talking globally? Or Glo we I, I think we're talking globally. Or just America, LA. Um, 
Good question. I think what I just said feels global. Hmm. And I, th- I think what I'm about to say feels global, although it's coming online slower. Um, but it's, how can I say it? It's um, yearning, yearning. There's new yearning. That's what the word is. There's grief and there's yearning. And, and I think there's something about us knowing in a new way, in a way we've never known that we're just one species here on one earth, all in it together. That idea is new. That idea is maybe 20 years old and it only feels like it's like five or 10 or three years old or maybe it hasn't even fully hit. But there's no more talking about countries in a way that seems remotely meaningful anymore. And that's why the people who are talking about countries with the most energy are talking about it like it was 300 years ago or 50 years ago or 75 years ago. We know that this is not about Australia or the U.S. or China. Like, we're just too interconnected, and we know it in our bones because we're all on the same damn cell phone plan. <laughs> so, <laughs> so with that, I think there's some yearning for a new, a new story or a new truth or a deeper truth um, that I didn't feel was true 20 or 30 years ago. There was a kind of acceptance of whatever the, whatever the narrative we were sold was, we accepted. I grew up in the 80s. America's a great country. We're going to beat Russia. Things are ultimately going to be okay. Ronald Reagan is a jerk. But at the end of the day, we care about people. Like This is the stuff that was part of my consciousness, and I didn't have much reason to challenge it. And now I think that's everyone's challenging everything, even if they're going all reactive. Mm-hmm. And you, So are you suggesting that we're yearning for a a universal gang yes, <laughs> of, of yes, humanity. Yes, yes, Or maybe another way of saying it, we're, we're yearning for real community. Right, community. We're, we're yearning for real community. That's it. A universal community that, uh-huh. goes, yeah, that goes across countries, colors, everything. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, I already sense that is true in my awareness, my, my programming that I've come to is true, but I, I would, like in terms of my worldview, but... To have a tangible, unified name for what we are. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't need to be so... Like, what would it look like to you? That What would that manifest as? Would it be a new religion? Would it no. be... <laughs> um, well, what comes to mind is um, a shared understanding that no one needs to suffer anymore for lack of basic resources. If we could... Um, just come to that together, that it is just absurd that I drive down Sunset Boulevard and a guy is holding a sign saying hungry, that this is just absurd, absurd the way flat earthers are absurd, absurd the way any stupid idea that needs to go away is absurd. I think that, that we're really all in this together and that there's just no reason anymore for this idiocy. That I think would be um, evidence that we've crossed this threshold I'm talking about. Fucking awesome. I love it. <laughs> so do, you don't feel it's just a universal agreement. Yeah. Yeah. Like the way we've universally agreed on somehow that there's such a thing as countries and that they matter. Like, like this is somehow a universal agreement that if I'm going to go to Canada, I have to walk through this ridiculous building where I hand them this ridiculous piece of paper where they take this ridiculous stamp and stamp it on this ridiculous paper. And now I have the right to walk 
another 50 feet. And somehow we all buy into this myth, like this is the way it is. This is absurd. And yet somebody's homeless on the street and we buy into the idea that this is somehow okay collectively, like, or that the system is dealing with it or that he needs to work harder, whatever, whatever story tells us anything other than that this is not okay. Fucking hell, man. You're a revolutionary. You got to get, get in front of the people. <laughs> well, here we are. Cause yeah. <laughs> well, these are, these are just ideas that I think resonate with every man's heart and woman's heart. You know, it's, it's, it's an inner truth. It's a, you're reminding people of what they are and what we are and what it is. <laughs> you know, you, we're just reminders. Just reminders. I, have, yeah. I, don't, I mean, my ego waxes and wanes and sometimes I feel like, yeah, I'm really onto something and I'm articulate and I have my finger on the pulse. I'm not in that state right now. Right now I'm in a more like contracted, low key. I'm just saying stuff we all kind of know and mm. nobody cares too much. And like every mm. once in a while somebody turns up excited and then mm. Mm. we all go back to our caves. Mm. I, I oscillate between these two. Mm. What do you think would cause significant change? The next generation? Um, crisis. Mm. Crisis. Crisis. Crisis causes significant change. I think we need some kind of massive meltdown, unfortunately. But we're in the process of that in America, aren't we, yeah. with the administration? We are. We are. We're, well, we are, but it ha we're talking about the moment the ATMs don't work. Okay. You know, the banking system collapses. The, the, the fact that we're dependent on this economic and political system, no one understands except that we understand that it's fundamentally corrupt. That's all we understand about it. We don't understand anything else about it. Otherwise, it's completely opaque except to the corrupt bastards who are running it. Like that's, <laughs> that whole thing has to just stop. Um, and then some the other things that are in the background waiting to hold us, maybe we'll be ready. Um, or maybe they won't be, and there's going to be a lot of pain and suffering and confusion, and then eventually a rebirth. I think that's what it's going to take. But, what? Not, but, I'm, but I'm in a pessimistic mode right now. I'm not feeling my best. In an optimistic mode, I believe in the possibility. I don't believe this right now, but when I'm in a different state of mind, I do. And the possibility of a gentle transition from the absurdity of our political and economic system now to a shared understanding of our underlying humanity and the obviousness of meeting people's emotional, psychological, and spiritual needs above the value of capital accumulation and status. I believe in that possibility and that somehow we could just snap our fingers and be like, oh, duh, like, why was I spending all of my energy buying and selling worthless paper when people are suffering around me? And I would feel much better if I alleviated their suffering. Like, what am I actually doing? Oh, stockbroker man, you don't know what you're doing. You know that you're miserable and you don't know a way out. Can't you just wake up? I mean, I guess not. I guess you can't. I'm struggling to reconcile myself to that truth. Mm -hmm. well, what, to me, it seems that it's it's too embedded within this. Like if, if if we talk about just the layers of existence, shit comes up and manifests and materializes and hardens and makes a crust. Yeah, it, it, it's only going it's only going to come from that deep, subtle, unconscious, yeah. unified field, unbound, infinite potentiality layer upwards, and materialize a new system, a new structure, and for that destruction operator has to come in to remove irrelevancies so there needs to be chaos there needs to be you know for creative creativity to come back in primary it needs to be that kind of and that process but and i think it's happening where our the collective evolution is accelerating and our individual evolution is accelerating because of people like donald trump because because it's because it's fire it's it's 
it's making people snap up from the haze of fuck with this isn't okay you know and i think the like you said the more extreme that chaos gets the more likely we're going to make change and that's already happening right it is it is but you know I mean, again, I'm in a, a little bit of a sad moment personally, and I'm not feeling that optimistic, but uh, that doesn't mean that tomorrow I won't feel more optimistic. In this sad place, I'm just, what's coming to mind are how many people have I heard espouse the transition or the change we need happen, and then literally the next day go back to their completely meaningless work where they continue to accumulate wealth at the cost of their friends, family, and the planet, and pretend that this is all okay. Um, so, hmm. yeah, yes, like we're starting to talk, <laughs> we're starting to talk the talk, like the, the culture is starting to talk the talk, but the culture is not walking the walk. And I, I, yeah, hmm. what, what I have anger in me toward people who have tens of millions of dollars in their bank account and haven't done enough inner work to recognize that that money is not theirs and that it is their conduits for where that money wants to go so that this planet doesn't continue to fly off a cliff mixed metaphor apology um this kind of thing like like this stuff is this stuff is real uh i was at burning man the other week ago and um and I'd, I'd done this workshop on empathy and this man hadn't seen it and he was asking me what I had done. And I said, oh, I was just um, doing a workshop on empathy. And he said, oh, well, how are you going to scale that? And, um, <laughs> and how is that going to make the world a better place? And I pointed out to him that his tone was needlessly aggressive. And, <laughs> and that I didn't feel like always reducing what I was doing to something that capitalists could understand easily. And, and um, he, he half-heartedly apologized, tipping the hat to the possibility that he was an asshole without fully acknowledging what an asshole he was. <laughs> and, uh, and then a woman was sitting across from me, and she was even more irritated at this guy than I was. And, and she said, um, like, who are you? Like, what's your problem? Why would you talk to this sweet man like this? And he said, well, I'm an investor. And I have $360 million under management with that tone. And then she said, well, I'm an investor too. And I have $1.2 billion under management. It and back and forth they went for 10 minutes comparing the sizes of their metaphoric financial cocks. While the conversation on empathy that had originated this debate drifted further and further away into the background. And at the end of the day, what these people cared about, much more than empathy or whatever it is I had to share was how much money they had under management and how they were going to accumulate more of it. This is in the context of Burning Man, in the context of a conversation around empathy. That is real. Like that's, that, that to me is where we are still at. That's where the power structure is still at. And until that power structure lessens its grip or until we take it away from them, um, I, I am not yet ready to fully embody the optimism that I have when I'm high uh, <laughs> in this more depleted state. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's not, I respect and appreciate the frankness <laughs> because it's, it's refreshing and it's, it's, you just reflect in the nature of what you see. So that woman had no 
she sound like she had your back to begin with, but then she didn't. Yeah, I th- it's the way that most powerful people talk about people who do real good work in this world. Yes, that's really interesting, and I support you. Now let me go off and fight to make more money and not really care too much. Hmm. And th- that's my experience with the with the people at the top of the hierarchy right now. So I got two questions. One is like, do you think it's it's an evolutionary call to action for you to be able to integrate scalability in your work? Yes. Cool. <laughs> I'm doing it here. I'm doing media. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Um, so then was there an opp- missed opportunity there with that guy for you to be able to meet him where he was at and find the find a possibility that you could construct yeah. together? Um, maybe. But- I'm, I, I don't know how to bridge that. I've tried. I haven't succeeded. I have, um, in my own personal experience, and maybe this is this is deep rooted in my own psychology, and not necessarily a sign of the times. But um, when I have interacted or gone to, or tried to work with powerful people who have a lot of money who are interested in um, broadcasting empathy or scaling my work, um, it hasn't clicked. It just hasn't clicked. It is some, there's some glitch in the matrix. Um, <laughs> and maybe it's my own judgment. Maybe it's the way that they're, the place that they're coming from is um, triggers in me a kind of contempt that makes it impossible for them to collaborate with me. Or maybe um, there's not yet a readiness for a kind of realness on the scale that they want to play. Um, if you look at the... If you look at who the, um, the the spiritual teachers are who have permeated the culture, uh, I don't see much out there that feels connected and authentic. Um, I see, you know, Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra and Gabriel Bernstein. I don't. I don't mean to speak ill of these people, although I will. Um, there's <laughs> uh, so correct that you do. Yeah, <laughs> I do and I don't. Um, I, 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 they're 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 oriented around a kind of ideal. They're saying this is the ideal version of you, and let me help you get there. Um, and that's not how that's that's not the place where the deepest truth rests. I think. Yeah. yeah. And um, well, they, 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 they've they've become a format rather. Yeah. Than, yes. It, it's it's not that it's not they're not honoring the process or well, maybe they are. Yeah, I think, I think you're, we're, we're close, you know, yeah. and, um, there's some people like Eckhart Tolle is probably a, good, a better example in terms of being on, on the right side of this line that doesn't really exist for people who've transcended duality, which I clearly haven't, but the, <laughs> um, if not momentarily, you have no doubt. Yeah. And flashes, but then I come back to this judgmental yeah. self, even, even like we talk about judgment. Oh, so for instance, let's talk about judgment. <laughs> There's like this thing around all these spiritual teachers about the, how bad judgment is and you need to get past judgment. And I just judge the shit out of that. Judgment is a natural way of expressing anger or contempt. And if you suppress judgment, you're just going to find that that anger and contempt goes around the side. Mm. And, um, these kinds of, it's it's. I'd I'd rather reframe it as I'm making an observation. Well, there you have it. Um, <laughs> Just for my personal. <laughs> but uh, but there there's something. In, yeah. So there's there's a lot of this. I'm off. I'm off in nowhere's land right now. Um, keep going, man. I love this space. Um, okay. Uh, well, I guess what I'm trying to say at the end of the day is, for whatever reason, the place that I'm coming with has not yet matched up with uh, the marketplace. Um, 
and I am not sure exactly why that is. Mm -hmm. uh, it could mm -hmm. just be that I'm, I'm impatient. It could be that uh, I'm missing an extra gear. It could be that there's a fundamental in incompatibility between the place that I'm coming from and what people are craving. Um, or uh, it could just be a, a random glitch that will work itself out in time. And But my... I don't know. I don't know what it is. Mm, mm. I well, I mean, it's, just to get... Cosmic. I'm a little sad about it, as oh, yeah? you can hear. Yeah, mm. I'm frustrated and sad. So if you were, as you're experiencing those high, like even deeper meditation or on, on, on plant medicine, mm -hmm. in those states of consciousness where you know that you're everything, you are mm -hmm. that investor, you, you're... you're you're that yep. logical mind too, but you're also this beautiful artist as well. Yeah. In those moments, and bring that into your space for a moment. Okay, I can do that. How can you better serve what you're here to do? Bringing in that, those different areas of your capability, since you are those people, you are you are all, the everythingness. Oh, the word that comes to me from that place is patience. Hmm. Patience, and that if I'm going to build as big a container as I appear to be building, I need to build it really damn slowly. Mm. Um, mm. And that with that guy who was coming at me with contemptuous questions around the potential scalability of my uh, of my gifts, um, there's some slightly more evolved version of me that I wasn't able to be who sees underneath that question his own yearning to feel what it's like to be empathic toward another person and his deep fear that he'll never get there and thus the need for him to, like a scientist, put it out there beyond him. Mm. So instead of integrating empathy into himself, it's easier for him to have a conversation about scalability. Mm. Am I capable of having that conversation about scalability holding aside my contempt for his dissociation, integrating his deep need to be empathetic, <laughs> and matching my desire to spread with his dissociated need to check out, <laughs> maybe, maybe there's some more evolved version of me that will come online in the next year or two that could have done that, but apparently not yet. <laughs> Such a great way to describe the mechanics of what went down <laughs> and the potential for what, what could that was a beautiful, eloquent well, Maybe if you hear me, oh man, with 360 million under management, I think we could do a lot with just one of your 360 million. I'd be happy to figure it out. <laughs> what, what would you do? Like, not to be that dickhead for a moment, but like, what, what do you envision or what do you... What, I'm really enjoying what I'm up to. Um, so I would probably just build off what I'm doing in terms of the development of my empath career. Uh, I've been craving doing... Um, work in front of cameras in complex emotional situations. So for instance, I would love to go spend a couple of days at a clinic for traumatic brain injuries where people have lost the capacity to express what they're feeling in any way, shape or form. And I help serve as a translator by using my ability to empathize with people who can't speak for themselves, wow. and helping them communicate with Fuck. families, That'd be powerful. doctors, and then filming that. Um, I'd also love that's on the trauma side of the world then on the wow that would be fun and interesting i'd love to go into a professional sports team and work out some of the emotional blockages between teammates or something like that basically i'm like 
I'm like an, uh, a master of emotional intelligence, and the more interesting or intricate or complicated the dynamic is, the more my mastery will shine, and the more um, people will be able to learn what it is to have empathy for others and how what are uh, what it is to have a healthy relationship with your emotions. That's pretty much what I'm about. And then also that magic is real because I'll be using my my uh, magical intuition all the time too. So I want, I want to do like a show around that or a web series um, that looks really nice. I come from production, so I want it to look really nice. Mm. Uh, then I'd love to do some uh, sexy big live events that would take some budget. Mm. And then I would love to... If I had some more money, just listen to see what wants to happen. Like I'm a big fan of just step at a time, feeling things out mm. um, more than I have a big vision and let's do it and let's put a lot of force and planning into making it happen. That doesn't work as well for me as just mm. like let's feel it out and go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Wise, because <laughs> you got it. Because like if we project too much, it, we create an artificial reality and we're not actually in tune with what yeah. what needs to be. You're a vessel for the for the work to come through and what, what you need to be in touch with that kind of supreme intelligence yeah. of the everythingness to be able to be reactive. Yeah. Yes. Responsive, should I, say, should I say. Yes. And I, I just want, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's like, I want people to have undeniable mystical experiences collectively that awaken us to the underlying truth in a way that's real and embodied and changes our behavior, not just our words. That's, that's what I'm about. Wow. Wow. That gave me face goosebumps. <laughs> but I'm just that guy that's passing through getting excited about you. <laughs> oh, great. Thank you for sharing me. Um, Whatever's coming through. If, could we, if you had the energy, could we wrap up with yeah. a reading? Let's do that. That'd be, perfect. Okay. I think. Do we need to come closer? Um, no. Okay. We're fine. Pull in we're fine where you are. So. Um, I am wearing a, a necklace. Um, I'm going to do some sponsorship, even though I don't get paid for it, because I just love this necklace. It's called an E-Force Plus, uh, and I use it to protect me from other people's energies. So I take it off before any reading, because uh, I don't want to protect myself when I do a reading. I want the opposite. Wow. What, what's, the, what's it made of? Titanium and three crystal jewelry things that I don't even know. That's how, that's how little educated I am on this thing. And But I'm you feel it. Totally. And I think anyone here, you're welcome to. Thank you. Uh, I feel like it makes me more dense, more grounded when I wear it. As soon as I take it off, I feel lighter and more porous. Wow. Um, it's I mean, 175 bucks and it's, I love it. And like but, I said, I'm not getting paid. I'm just a fan of this man. <laughs> but matter holds like stone and it holds consciousness, right? Like it holds, I mean, it holds energy. It can store energy and data. Sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. I, I can. I, I. I definitely feel. It's old technology. Vibes in material and material definitely. <clears throat> I mean, I, you can walk. Even somebody who thinks it's all hooey can walk into a crystal shop, walk up to a crystal that moves them, put it in their hand, close their eyes, and just see if you don't feel the subtlest shift in your vibration. I don't care who you are. You will feel it if you are just a little bit curious about it. You don't have to be open about it. You just be curious and you'll feel a shift. <laughs> okay, so now that I've done the preliminaries, um, 
I'm just adjusting to get into a more comfortable spot. For mm. whatever reason, I only do readings cross-legged. Mm. It's like a, an old habit. Mm. Uh, now my eyes are closed. I'm taking into account how tired I am, how melancholy I personally feel, how heavy I feel. You don't feel any of those things. It's very much the opposite of your vibe. Um, but you might have taken on a little of my vibe, so maybe I'll feel that in a second when I tune into you. And now... All right, just give me one second to orient here. Mm. All right, so we're going to start by how you're feeling right now. Very receptive. Oh, dude. So can I speak yeah. as we go? You, you could do whatever you want for uh, the show. <laughs> I, I just, as I felt a very, uh, I felt very aware of your presence coming into me. If it was this kind of subtle kind of frequency energy coming into my chest and my front of my face and mm. my whole body. And, and as, as you were opening up to me. How did that feel? Uh, very subtle, but very, I was very aware of it. It was very clearly occurring. That's cool. I would say that that happens one out of 20 times. Somebody says, oh, I think I felt that. Mm -hmm. um, I, like, I like that. I, I, I feel that. So I, I, I don't feel you feeling that. But I, mm. your experience of me entering your field matches the experience I'm having of entering your field. So it's when you describe what you felt... It's, it does have a uh, parallel on my world. I am doing exactly what you felt I was doing, mm -hmm. I believe. It, well, yeah, it, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a woman that I was sitting next to once um, who was very sensitive to this. Mm. And she closed her eyes and I closed my eyes. And we had a third person who was watching. Mm. And I said, at some point in the next 30 seconds or minute, whatever it was, I'm going to go into your space mm. And I want you to snap your fingers or do something the second I do. Wow. And we did the experiment like four times and it was to the second. Fucking So it's hell. like this shit is, I mean, this just, it's just, it's just real. Of course. Like, of course. <laughs> we should be saying of course. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I, I fucking hell is good because I think we need, I'm over it, but I wish I weren't. I want to be in awe. I'm just, I'm just not anymore. But I, I, part of my service is to make people go, oh, wow, this stuff is real. And mm. if you think it's not real, oh, please investigate, check this out. Read Dean Radin, read Rupert Sheldrake. Ask yourself, what are supernatural experiences you've had that you're disavowing because it doesn't fit your worldview? Come on, join the party. It's so much more fun over here. We're having a blast. We want you. We need you. We need the skeptics. You're going to convince all your friends magic is real. And then they're all going to wake into the power of love and the reality of interconnectedness. Come on, join, join. Okay, end of pitch. <laughs> and when we, when we say magic, we define that it's just so for the skeptic's um, mind. I guess I'm using the term to mean... Um, truths that we uh, are able to access but that are not yet believed by the predominant culture mm. so the fact that you can feel my energy field entering your field mm. defies explanation based on our contemporary understanding gotcha. of interpersonal neurobiology, 
but we know it to be true. So because mm-hmm. we experience it like the, that, uh, that's a great description. And thank you for clarifying because it, 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 it was no two ways about the experience of what I felt. It's, and, but I'm very tapped into that subtle realm. So I can, I, I'm aware of any changes in my, I, I, and it wasn't you enter my field. It's actually you enter in my body. Mm. It felt like it was deeper than just my field. Yeah, so that's real, guys. It's real. It's real. And if you if you doubt it, then ask yourself what it would take for you to believe, and see if you can't fill that. Because the world is more beautiful once you accept that there's stuff that's true that we haven't yet culturally accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean I believe in alien abductions. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> I do have my lines too. Uh, Okay, so <laughs> right now, like I said, receptive, and there's this uh, humor that is still carried over from a few seconds ago. Mm-hmm. Things are kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a, uh, this is still right now I'm talking about this. As often happens, I'm having a a clear physiological experience and then challenge putting my experience into language. I would say delight. That's the word. You're Mm. delighted by what's happening. That's Mm. it. There's a lot of feeling of delight. That's right now. I'm asking myself, is there anything else going on right now? Yes, there's somebody walking into the house. Hey, Dad. <laughs> Let's just take a pause for a yeah, second. Yeah, easy. This is my Hello. friend. Hello, how are you? How are you, Dad? Never, I never dropped a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no trouble, good. no problem it's at all. Okay. Sure. Do your thing. So that's my dad. We'll take a beat. <laughs> we can talk about the fact that my dad is aware of the work that I do, <laughs> um, but he hasn't, uh, haven't like brought him fully into everything that I'm up to because mm-hmm. I'm still I'm, I'm out for what it is that I'm doing I'm definitely out I'm public mm-hmm. um, but uh, what am I what am I trying to say it's, it's not fully territory. integrated into my family life um, and I'm just it just so happens that I'm in LA this week I live in New York I don't live in LA and when I stay in LA sometimes I stay at my parents' place. So mm-hmm. my parents have lived here for uh, for 28 years. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just killing time while my dad <laughs> does whatever he does because I don't feel entirely comfortable yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because gotcha. you understand. Yeah, thanks for clarifying. Yeah, it's all interesting, right? <laughs> We're about to... See you. Goodbye. Good to meet you. It was Pierre. Pierre, Pierre. Did he go back in? No, he's going into the cupboard. Huh. Um, and so... He's what, French. Oh, beautiful. It's the Pierre. What, where's your... What's your heritage? Um, my mom was born in L.A., uh, where she remains. And my dad was born in a small town in the south of France uh, called Le Chambon, which mm. is not too far from Saint-Étienne, mm. which is not too far from Lyon, mm. um, during the war. And then they met, my mom and dad met in Paris years ago, and then my mom ultimately brought my dad to LA where they've been together here ever since mm, are, still, are, still, are still married and uh, live here in this house together beautiful it's a beautiful house it's, it's a nice house yeah <laughs> whereabouts in New York are you? I'm in the East Village mm-hmm. I'm uh, around 1st Avenue and 7th Street right mm-hmm. near Caracas Arepa for fans of the area mm-hmm. so they can go and stalk you and find you 
I I don't really have any stuff. I no, I have like a couple of super fans. Yeah, like three or four people who send me slightly weird communications indicating a level of idolatry that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> but really, I don't have I don't have any stalkers, and my super fans are few and far between. And for the most part, they're very sweet. Mm-mm-mm. So mm. I'm I'm not afraid yet of. Uh, of being stalked. Do you have any super fans? No. <laughs> and where, where, what's your, um, or not that I'm aware of, uh, where is your... You'd be aware. <laughs> <laughs> there was, yeah. Where is your, where can people follow you? Like um, if they want to, want to see more of your work. Best is empath.nyc. And if you're going to be in New York on the 18th of September, Come find me at the assemblage at seven-ish. The assemblage is at uh, two something, like two twenty-five East Twenty-fifth Street or something mm, like mm, it. Mm. Google it instead. The assemblage nomad, mm. September eighteenth, seven p.m. Just say you're here for the Empath Show, and they'll let you in. Love to have you there. Awesome. And then I'm on Instagram sometimes, Empath NYC. Uh, mm, mm. The bane of my existence is uh, the seeming crucial importance of doing social media, and my uh, lazy attitude toward regular communications with the world. <laughs> I think my dad is. Where did yeah. he, he, he went through that door with the which door with the, uh, with the bookshelf in it. Oh, there he's yeah. gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, so we've killed all the time. Done a little <laughs> uh, wrestled with the awkwardness of my doing intuitive readings in my dad's living room. Uh, that was really real life intercedes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so where were we? <laughs> we can go right back to the reading now. Mm-hmm. Do you edit these interviews? Or you just no, nah. no, they just go on. Okay, mm-hmm. so everything I've said will live forever. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Tony Robbins, Gabriel <laughs> Bernstein, Deepak Chopra. You are all doing amazing work, and who am I to critique you? Well, I'm someone anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm recentering around the intention of doing a reading for you. Mm. There's an easiness to you that wasn't there when I first started the reading. Like, okay, like an okayness to your attitude now. A little bit, maybe a little bit chiller than you were when I did it five minutes ago. Um, and now I'm going to go. Uh, beyond how you're feeling right now. This is my answer to the question of how you're feeling generally or what's going on with you. And a few things happening. As you can see, um, my body does all these different movements and often what's happening in these movements is it's not one feeling or experience it's multiple and it's my job to disentangle these simultaneous experiences so the first is what i would call it's what's happening is my head bends back and my chest expands upward my hands push down it's uh, a kind of willful surrendering like a, a deliberate surrendering seems to be going on with you Then I also get the feeling you're in a pretty good flow of late. Now you've said things to me that would indicate that. 
what I do when I do a reading is try to not take in too much to account what it is you've said about yourself and rely more on what my body is getting and less on what I know from what you've told me. However, often what my body gets matches what it is you've told me, so I don't hide that either. So when I tune into how you've been doing, I come into this feeling of flow, this ability to be in a lot of places at once, or to be dancing with what's happening with you. You're in a flow, that's the best way to put it. And you also describe some of your experiences since you've been in the U.S., and I can sense that. I think anyone who'd met you would see that you seem to be in a pretty good flow. So I both feel that and recognize that in our conversation. The other thing that's happening is I can feel my body opening up. There's more space in it. And this feels somewhat connected perhaps to um, the breakup with your ex. Uh, there seems to be a newfound spaciousness in you that's coming in of late. That connection to your ex is, a, is an educated guess of where that spaciousness might be coming from. Um, that maybe you're something on the other side of that experience and now more open to things and literally breathing, could be literally breathing better, but certainly figuratively allowing more air into your system. And the last thing that's going on that I feel, and here's another one of my disclaimers, I'm not feeling everything you're going through, I'm just feeling the loudest things you're going through or the, or the, the most intense feelings that I'm capable of feeling. There might be feelings that you're feeling or experiences you're having that uh, are very intense that I'm just missing for reasons I don't fully understand. Or more likely, there's all these other subtle experiences you're having that are simply too subtle for me to pick up on. Or maybe I would take two hours and I could, hmm. I could feel about for every little thing that's happening, but that would be um, a big waste of time since <laughs> we might as well just focus on the big things going on. There was something I wanted to say before I did that disclaimer. I can't even remember what it was. You said there's one last thing. Yeah. Or is that last thing? It's the big thing. Um, something like joy. Yeah. Delight. Delight is maybe a better word. Delight, joy. Uh, um, there's excitement in you. But the word that really comes to mind is delight. You seem to be delighted with the way things are going. Hmm. So that's what I feel has been going on with you generally. Hmm. Pretty good state you're in. Hmm. Um, and when you said you gave me a little bit of verbal feedback there with the hmm, and that made me want to look for something else, see if I missed something, like that there was a little bit of something that sounded like just in my ear, like sadness or something, that I'd missed something that you were hoping I would see. So I take that little cue, and then I look for that, like, okay, is there something I missed? And then I get to this feeling. Um, this doesn't seem to be that intense a feeling in you, but it seems to, given your little bit of feedback, want me to find it. And this would be a sense of, I don't know what's going on, um, maybe a little bit of confusion, I'm not sure, uncertainty, uncertainty. You seem to carry this uncertainty lightly. Uh, there are plenty of people who carry uncertainty with a great deal of neurosis, and it spins them out. 
if you are spinning out from your uncertainty, I'm not feeling that. I'm feeling just like uh, a subtle sense of confusion or uncertainty, but uh, ultimately okay with that as it is. Um, hmm. Beautiful. Um, let's see what else. That seems to be what's going on with you now. Hmm. And that uncertainty I had to kind of look for, that was one of those quieter things off in the distance that your subtle intonation in your voice made me look for. Um, and I go deeper, past, beyond, past or beyond what's happening with you now and into uh, what's driving you on a much deeper level. And that's unquestionably this drive to expand or to shed your skin or to transcend. It feels this like this deep yearning to uh, this deep yearning to be a vessel. That's what it is. It's uh, it's like you're really driven to shed all of your skin and take direction from the divine, and you're. I'm making this number up out of my ass, but you're two thirds of the way there. You're in the part where you're just like. The plane is taking off. It's two of the wheels are off the runway, but it hasn't yet quite left the, the ground. And it feels like my cell phone is going off, so I'm gonna turn turn the buzzer off. Feels like I can almost get there. I can almost get off the ground here. Um And you also have this, um, this word came up earlier when I was talking about the collective, this yearning, this such deep yearning to be guided. And then there's another part of you that I saw immediately. Everything I just said, I wouldn't necessarily have seen. But this part of you, I see, everyone sees. Two seconds, somebody meets you, they see it. And that's this um, boyish sense of uh, excitement and wonder. Like, yeah, I'm so excited to be here and see what's going on, check things out. Uh, that's just like everyone's first impression of you, I'm guessing. Like, look at this guy. He's so excited and like delighted to see what's happening around him. So that's also very deep in you and also right there on the surface with you. Um, this is me um, with my neck and has nothing to do with you. So some of the movements I make during readings are me just sort of shaking stuff out and they can be misinterpreted by people as meaning something for them when actually it's just me adjusting my own body for my own purposes so that I can go back into their experience. And in your experience, this is, a, this is very deep in you and I would ask you to hold what I'm about to say pretty lightly um, because it's 
Well, anyway, something something in me is self-conscious sharing this about you, but I'm going to share it anyway. I don't know why I'm self-conscious. There's a sense of dis, uh, distrust in you toward the world, and that while you do have all this real excitement and joy underneath, you also have a, there's also this feeling that it's not completely okay to share, which strikes me as paradoxical because, like I said a minute ago, when the minute I see you, I can see all this joy in you and excitement. So it's right there on the surface. And yet, even as it's right there on the surface, I don't know how it coexists with this feeling, but it does, this feeling that it's not safe to share. So my suspicion putting these things together is that there's a kind of safe amount of joy and excitement you share that is true to who you are, but that is also somehow regulated, and that there's another entire level of joy and excitement and actually a better word is wonder that doesn't yet feel entirely safe to share with people and that you keep almost to yourself. Yeah, that feels right. Um, and now I'm going to go into what it is I feel you are at your core. And this is interesting to talk about too because it's a little different than everything that I've been saying, although it's the deepest expression of it. So when I do readings um, for every person, every single person I've ever read has, in my experience, a core or an essence or a, a deep template of who they really are. Uh, in my belief, I make the claim that I can tap into this deep place of who you really are and then allow that deepest essence to express itself through my body which I then interpret in language to the best of my ability. Uh, and we all have this essence, different essences. All essences are equally valuable and different. Um, a friend of mine have, and I have, uh, have tracked or have documented 30 of these essences or archetypes. So your archetype, as I experience it, I'll first describe it. My hands are coming up. I'm looking up at the sky. It feels like I'm holding something in my hands, like a, like a ball or something. And I'm looking up. And um, the archetype is, uh, I would say, that the mystic would be the word, the word that describes who I feel you are. And that's the person who holds what is amazing in their hands and shares it. Not maybe literally in their hands, but not even though you are super excited and excitable, it's not necessarily from a place of excitement. Um, your excitement is obviously in service to this purpose, but at a deeper level, it's not just about being excited. It's about more about being in awe and holding um, what you, what's, what strikes you as awesome um, in a solid way so that people can share in that with you. That's my sense of who you are at the deepest level. And if I'm right about that, then that's who you are no matter what. That's who you are when you came into this world, no matter what happened to you, and that's who you'll be when you leave this world. That's my suspicion. And, and then I like to conclude readings by offering a little bit of guidance. And the way I do this is literally by asking my body at the end of a reading, what would serve this person or what, what would help this person or what does this person need? And 
as I ask that about you, my body just goes back and, um, and relaxes into surrender instead of this active surrender that you're doing. So what I'm sensing is that it might be of use for you to, um, you don't even know how to do this though, to, if you were to take your foot off the metaphoric gas pedal, I don't think you'd go any slower. So, <laughs> so the more you push the gas pedal, that means you're not actually going any faster. Um, this path toward surrendering is happening to you, whether you try for it or don't. And if you were to not try for it, which means not necessarily acting from this place of, I need to do the thing that I'm called to do, but instead acting from a place of, well, this is what I'm doing and that's cool, you would still be surrendering. In fact, you might even be surrendering more by trying to surrender less. Uh, and that's what I was feeling when I was tuned into you. So if you have any questions or reflections, I'd be happy to hear oh or answer. God, like not even in the 90s, that's a, that's an, that's a 100% hundred percent situation cool um i felt this which was it started becoming uncomfortable because i felt my heart was open to you like my jaw a hole in the chest just below the v in my ribs like this a dense feeling of your must have been your energy coming in through that this portal because i felt a very mm. or either the muscles or the frequency where is it was, it's under your yeah it's like there. under your heart yeah in the it's, center of your chest yeah so just above my I suppose where the diaphragm is. I wonder or, if that's where, where I am going into. Well, I, I, I felt it concentrated. Initially, I felt it when you hit my whole anatomy and I felt it a tingle, a physical sensation across my whole anatomy. And then as you went, after the father left, and then that's when it was just there. And it started being uncomfortable because the muscles were tightening or like your energy was vibrating my anatomy and so causing it to tense up or something or other. And... Um, but to, to, I just chose to stay in that space because I consciously, or maybe it was me just choosing to open my heart because I consciously said, I, I just want to be open for you. And initially I wanted to give, f f f you know, sh hold a space for what I was feeling. And that mm. first half was actually me feeling these things and then you saying them, oh, cool. <laughs> which is great. Like I, so I just, I went really still and then I, just brought up like manifested or bubbled up to the surface in my body what I was feeling and then you would you would say what it is. Like in order that you were feeling it? In order that I chose to experience it. Oh that's so cool. Um and and then you would you would relay exactly what I chose to experience. And then after that, my that's when my heart went and it's still feeling a little bit leftovers. Um, but my, that hole in my chest was like, now I'm just going to open it up and let you have a look, let you in to look wherever you want to look. And that was, um, felt vulnerable mm -hmm. and brought me to tears when you said, um, I'm withhold, withstanding from my wonder or that thing that you said where you, you're regulating it. Like, here's what's safe to share that's yes. real. And then here's what's not safe to share. And it's like a little bit confusing from the outside because you're giving so much of what is true to you, but you're still holding back something. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm worried of hurting people because in the past I've, I've, I've been such an open book with all my feelings that I've, I've trodden on people's feelings because my, I haven't considered how it might affect them, what I'm saying. And so I'm going through this process at the now, particularly my mm. ex-girlfriend, where I, um, I've, I've heard it by expressing some things 
publicly or, you know, like on my podcast or whatnot or my media. And so I'm just, I think I'm just dialing it back a little bit because I don't want to hurt people. Um, I don't know what to say to that. I, <laughs> that sounds kind and this stuff is hard. Yeah. There's no silver bullet here. Yeah. Or if there is, I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. Well, brother, that was, that was, I'm in awe. Like you read me as, <laughs> and I love, I felt like that was a real honor to be seen and to be, to, for you to express what you see in me. Cause it was, if, if it was just true, it was all very, very true. Thank you. It was, it was fun. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. I, uh, um, thank you for that. Um, Thank appreciate you. it. <clears throat> Thanks appreciate for the kind words. <laughs> well, I, I'm a massive fan of your work and I want to see it fly to whatever level you want it to fly. And it's already flying in my opinion. Like just even that surrender, that surrender and that was so relevant for me that what, what you've channeled or what you felt, what I need to hear. Fuck. I needed to hear that. And I had a sense of it, but I didn't, realize that that's my next immediate step and now i realize that that's my next mm, immediate that's step your ne- that, that's your next immediate <clears throat> step you won't go any slower by slowing down <laughs> <laughs> amazing and i might go faster because i think it's surrendering my intellect or surrendering or i think you described it better and i can't even try to describe it better just taking my foot off that gas and just leaning back and surrender having yeah. a deeper surrender yeah or a shallower one, whatever, whatever it is that takes less effort, whether it's deeper or shallower. Mm. Yeah. Not, not valuing the transcendent or the profound more than the emergent and the trivial. So say that another like, way. Um, like you and me, you and me both have the tendency, we share this to like value what is like awesome or profound or deep or like what we're called to do more than like what's happening or trivial or the dude at the gas station or mm. the need to take a poop or <laughs> like, like it's almost like I always undervalued the, <laughs> the life, the life we live in order to get to the stuff that matters. And then we want to like really surrender into the stuff that matters. This is a deep tendency among people who are like doing the work or engaged in deep questions. But there's a certain point for some of us, and you're at this point now, I think, where just accepting the trivia or the stuff that's just happening right now as just as meaningful or as important as the stuff that we want to give our whole self to. Mm. And like accepting that stuff is like, okay, well, that's what I'm doing. Okay, this is what I'm doing. Okay, this isn't so important. I'm stuck in traffic. Like, big deal. Instead mm. of life being a process of working toward the transcendent and then going, going back to the trivial, like just chilling out. And then, then, the, then more of that transcendent finds its way into what we thought of as trivial. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yes. Fuck man. I'm pretty speechless. Like I want to add and explore and analyze and, um, but I don't feel to, I okay. just, I just, I just feel to sit with what you said and absorb it because that was, uh, it was fucking profound <laughs> thank you I'm feeling a little bit uh, I've been feeling a little like down on myself for some reason since Burning Man a little depleted and like so it's really nice to have somebody come into this into my parents house mm. 
and just like be like, wow, what you're saying is awesome. Like I, I'm just, it's really um, energizing for me. Good, good. Thank well, you. I, I really, you're, you're, this is a place where you're the, the sense of wonder that I am creating in you that sense of wonder as I see it in your face is feeds me. And like that thing about being a mystic and holding it and showing it is what you're literally doing right now. And it is in itself helping me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so beautiful. You. Wow. That makes, that makes me really happy. <laughs> Man, too many goosebump moments. Absolute honor and reverence for you as a homo sapien doing everything that you're doing. Well, thank you. Deep, deep reverence. Appreciate it. Thank you for, for coming here and for, putting this whole thing together and interviewing me. I had a really good time. <laughs> and again, for anyone that's listening, where, where can we, you're not barely on social Best media. Best bet is uh, empath.nyc, E-M-P-A-T-H dot N-Y-C, or on Instagram, empathnyc. And if in New, you're in New York, uh, come say hi and find me. Um, hmm. And if you have lots of resources and you want to figure out how to scale intuition or empathy and you're like, this guy's dope, I'm interested and I want to creatively explore how to use my resources to transform the consciousness of the world using some of this guy's tools. And I don't know what that looks like, but I want to play. Email me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.